from Pride to Humility and Acts chapter 2 coming up on The Gray Snapper. Man, I'm talented. Welcome to The Gray Snapper Podcast, a podcast of Grace Church of Napa Valley, and I'm your host, Jess Arns. We've got a few things to talk about today that I think uh, at least are encouraging to me and helpful to me. So we'll start with just a quick encouragement to you. No matter what's going on, if you're a believer, I want you to hear this from Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says this to the Philippians, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. What's he saying there? What's the good work that he started? He saved you from sin, and he's also transforming you into his likeness. And he will perfect you when Jesus comes again. So there will come a time, there will come a day, when you will never struggle with sin, doubt, fear, anxiety. You'll never struggle with any of that stuff again. And what's awesome about that too, you'll be made perfect. The people that you live with will be made perfect. Okay, every believer will be there. We will be perfect together. All the relational discord and all the struggles that we go through will be gone and we'll live live in a perfect world. We won't deal with the curse, you know, with the thorns and the thistles and stuff falling apart and people dying and disease and pain. That'll all be gone. I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. What a great encouragement. Well let's now get into our weekly warning. This week's warning is going to come not in the form of external false teaching, but the internal temptations toward pride. And uh, recently I spoke in church on the delusion of spiritual pride from the book of 1 Corinthians. But pride is not, um, is not something that just a few of us struggle with or are tempted with. Pride is inherent to our human nature. And to really come to Jesus, we have to humble ourselves and as we talked about recently, that pride in the heart of a believer really is delusional. We really have no reason to be proud, whether spiritual, uh, physical, or otherwise. Um, when it comes to who we are in the, the big scheme of things, we are really small. Uh, all of our accomplishments are very... <laughs> there's not anything for us to really boast in. And even in our spiritual uh, progress. Anything that we accomplish is completely by God's grace, by His power, and it's not because of our abilities. It's not because of our own intrinsic value or worth. Uh, really, it's all about Him, and his, He is the one that we are to boast in. So, um, pride is extremely destructive to relationships, and, and it's a hindrance to um, our gospel witness. So, I wanted to talk about that. I'll hi- highlight this brief uh, highlight this um, this resource briefly from Stuart Scott. It's called From Pride to Humility. It's a little pamphlet, little booklet that is really just very practical. And I want to highlight a couple of things today. We're going to talk about some manifestations of pride. And then on the next episode, we will talk about what humility looks like. Um, and I am not uh, bringing this to you as an expert in either of these things. <laughs> um, but uh, Stuart Scott makes some very good observations here. So, I do want to talk just here about first um, how we define pride. Uh, This is what Stuart Scott says. A person is prideful who believes that 
that they, in and of themselves, are or should be the source of what is good, right, and worthy of praise. Let me say that again. A proud person is someone who believes that they, in and of themselves, are or should be the source of what is good, right, and worthy of praise. They believe that they, by themselves, are or should be the accomplisher of anything that is worthwhile to accomplish and that they should certainly be the benefactor of all things. So, in essence, they think everything is about them or should be about them. It's competitive towards others and it's competitive towards God. It's really interesting when you think about it that when you are proud and you're seeking glory for yourself, you're really competing with God for His glory because all glory belongs to Him, right? Thomas Watson put it this way, pride seeks to un-God God. So it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> and it really is what led to Satan's downfall and it was what tempted Eve in the garden, and it really has tempted all of us ever since. Stuart Scott also makes this really interesting point that those who are um, dealing with self-pity, they can appear to be humble, but it really is another manifestation of pride. They are focused on themselves, and they bemoan the fact that they are not what they desperately want to be, something elevated or esteemed. This person is just as proud as the other. They're just, it's just pride that has been unfulfilled or unmet expectations of glory. So, um, a couple of verses just to bring to our attention. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Um, another, another one, um, we have Proverbs 16, 5, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. Uh, Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. This is someone who thinks that they're the source of wisdom. There's, there's more hope for a fool than for someone who believes themselves to be wise within themselves. All right, so what are some manifestations of pride? He lists uh, a bunch of different ones, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and walk through them just because I think it's it's useful and helpful. And then tomorrow or next time we'll go through um, humility. All right, so let's go through some manifestations of pride. Number one, complaining against or passing judgment on God. It's a person who uh, is proud, um, and they think that they're when they're in a difficult situation— they think that God has given them a raw, a raw deal, that God has done this, they're after me, that God's unjust, unfair. Why would he do this to me? So number one, complaining or passing judgment on God. Number two, a lack of gratitude in general, because proud people think that they deserve what is good, and so they're unthankful and they complain, and they tend to be critical and complaining and discontent. That is a manifestation of pride. Number three, anger. A proud person is often angry. There's outbursts, there's withdrawing, there's pouting, frustration, uh, the silent treatment, because they believe that their rights have been deprived of them, their expectations aren't being met, and therefore they're angry. Number four, you see yourself as better than others. Um, They look down upon others. They are disgusted and are intolerant of differences. 
Number five, having an inflated view of your importance, your gifts, and your abilities. They are a legend in their own mind. And they think that what they have is um, comes from them rather than something that's been given to them by God. Number six, being focused on the lack of your gifts and abilities. Some proud people don't have the abilities that they want to have, and they don't come across as proud because they kind of put themselves down that, that self-pity that we talked about. But that is just as proud as the arrogant person who thinks highly of themselves and, and things went well for them. Okay, this, this person who is concerned about their lack of gifts and abilities, it, they want that attention. They want that glory. It's just that that glory has been denied them, and so they feel sorry for themselves. But it still comes from pride. Number seven, perfectionism. That's you have to have everything perfect. They often do it for recognition or to feel good about themselves. But it's self-serving and proud. It doesn't have anything to do with God. Number eight, talking too much. Proud people talk too much because they think that what they have to say is more important than what anyone else has to say. And as Proverbs ten nineteen says that where there's many words, sin is generally unavoidable. Talking too much. Number nine, talking too much about yourself. person who's proud just centers everything on themselves. They share personal accomplishments, good personal qualities, bragging, boasting, etc. Number 10, seeking independence or control. Proud people find it very difficult to work under someone else and to submit to an authority. Why? Because they think they know better than everyone else, and if people don't live, live up to their expectations or if people get in the way of what they want to do, then, um, then they, again, become angry and they seek to distance, them, distance themselves from any, any sense of, of uh, external control or um, from people who would be over, the, over them in leadership. Number 11, being consumed with what other people think. Proud people can't stand uh, the thought that anyone would think lowly of them, and they're constantly wanting to gain the approval of others. So they're always thinking about others and how to impress them. What are they thinking about me? That's a proud person. Number 12, being devastated or angered by criticism. This uh, proud person, <laughs> when, they get, when they are critiqued, criticized, disagreed with, they are devastated by it. They can, almost barely, they can barely function. They can't even show up anymore because they can't stand the fact that people wouldn't think that they're just amazing. That's proud. Number 13, being unteachable. They're a know-it-all, superior. They can't learn from anyone else. They respect no one else. That's pride. Number 14, being sarcastic, hurtful, or degrading. Being, it's, it's really being unkind and belittle, belittling others. That's, that comes from pride. Verse, fift, or verse 15. Number 15, a lack of service. Proud people don't serve because they're not thinking about others. They, they only do what they feel like doing, what they want to do, or they only do what gains them recognition. They don't want to serve in a way that doesn't gain respect or uh, honor or notice from other people. Number 16, a lack of compassion. A person who is proud is rarely concerned for others, and they can't see beyond their own desires. Number 17, being defensive or blame-shifting. Um, they try to explain their sin. They try to turn it back on you. Well, what about you? You're a sinner too. Um, they, they don't feel they, they're defensive anytime their sin is brought up uh, or any weakness is brought up. 
Number 18, a lack of admitting when you're wrong. They make all kinds of excuses. I was having a bad day. I was tired. But they won't admit that they were wrong. Number 19, a lack of asking forgiveness. When they do sin and they're recognized by it, they don't seek the forgiveness of the other person. They stubbornly refuse to reconcile. Number 20, a lack of prayer. Proud people don't need prayer because they think they can do it themselves. They're not concerned about what God wants, and they don't recognize their dependence on Him. Number 21, resisting authority or being disrespectful. They can't stand someone else telling them what to do, and so they they resist. We talked about this a little bit earlier when we're talking about um, seeking independence. Okay, that's kind of avoiding leadership here in verse 21 is resisting authority and, and directly being disrespectful. Number 22, voicing preferences or opinions when not asked. Proud people demand that their opinions be heard. They can't stand that no one would ask them. Uh, and that that pride results uh, in them forcing their way into a situation, forcing their opinions in, on a situation where it's not asked and where they're not responsible. Number 23, minimizing your own sin and shortcomings. Proud people believe that their sin is not a big deal. They think that people should just deal with it, that they have good reasons for it, and um, that's and so they minimize it, put, make it not a big deal. Number, number 24, on the other hand, while they minimize their own sin, proud people maximize others' sins. They, they magnify and bring attention to the sins of others by gossiping about them. Um, and making their sin a bigger deal than their own, other people's sin a bigger deal than their own. Number 25, being impatient or irritable with others. A proud person might be angry with other people because they're concerned that their own schedule or plans are being ruined. And so <laughs> there's no sense of understanding, patience, any, any of that. They're impatient, they're irritable with others. Got a few more. We're going to go up through 30. So here we go. Number 26. Being jealous or envious, of course, this seems obvious, but proud, proud people can't stand when other people get success, recognition, blessing, and so they're jealous and envious. They look down on those people, so it really bothers them when other people get something, some kind of benefit. Number 27, they use others. Proud people view others as something to be used, not, not people to be cared for, loved, because other people's existence really revolves around my benefit. And then, number 28, being deceitful by covering up sin, faults, and mistakes. Proud people will do almost anything in order for others not to find out negative things about them. They're, they're obsessed with that. Um, and you want to make a proud person mad, um, uh, let it be known one of their failures to someone else. Oh boy. Watch the fangs come out then. Then 29, using attention-getting tactics. A proud person may try to draw attention to themselves through dress, bizarre behavior, being rebellious, always talking about their problems, but they're just, they're, they're asking, they're seeking attention. They want the spotlight on them, whether good or negative, they just want the attention. Uh, and then number 30, not having close relationships. Proud people often don't have use for those close relationships. The trouble outweighs the benefits. So they see themselves as self-sufficient and not needing anyone else. 
All right, so that is, those are the manifestations of pride. Pretty pretty long list, right? My guess is that some of those probably hit you, kind of struck a chord in your heart. And uh, so next time, tune in. We're going to talk about what repentance looks like and what humility, what, what humility is to be put in place of that pride. And uh, we'll go from there. Oh, the book of Acts, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished. Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the district of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. I mean, this is amazing. So many different languages. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. I want to stop right there really quick. This is the, the first major instance of tongues in Scripture. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit at this time and the purpose of the tongues. One thing, the tongues were actual languages that could be understood and they are declaring the glory of God. This, this points people to God. They're not just random babblings. They're not incoherent uh, murmurings. It's real languages under control but miraculously communicating what they would not otherwise know in another language, they would, they're communicating the, the mighty deeds of God. How cool is that? All right. So then, they all continued, verse 12, in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they're full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, And give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Okay, and this is, and this is the first presentation of the gospel in, in its fullness, in the full sermon after Jesus was raised, and after this is the first time after the disciples understood the gospel. This is the first major evangelistic message, so pay close attention. 
Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh will also live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet, and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. For he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Wow. How did they respond? Pretty amazing. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent. That means turn from your false belief. Turn from your sins. Turn to God. Call out to Him. That's what it means to repent. Turn away from your sin, idolatry, and false belief righteousness and turn to God. And each of you, he says, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is baptism? It's that public display that you have chosen to follow Christ. You're identifying yourself with him. It is that public display of your faith in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This gospel accomplishes the forgiveness of your sins. That's what Christ came to do, to save his people from their sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in, gives you a new heart, new motivations, uh, and, and is empowering you to live for God. Verse 39, For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and as many as the Lord God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, Those who had received his words were baptized. And listen to this number. And that day, there were added about 3,000 souls. Not through gimmicks, not through tricks, but through the preaching of the gospel. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many 
wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking, breaking bread from house to house. And they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And that is the end of Acts chapter 2. Amazing, amazing work of God that uh, continues down to this day. We are the descendants of that work of God's grace. And uh, praise Him that His Holy Spirit has empowered His messengers to spread this gospel around the world so that it came to our ears. And when we heard it, we repented and believed. Praise Him. Well, thank you for listening to the Gray Snapper podcast, podcast of Grace Church in Napa Valley. If you'd like more information, go ahead and go to gracenapa.org. Until next time, keep swimming.